0: so welcome back to the world coffee championships podcast series and today we are talking about latte art and i'm joined by someone very special oh who are you
1: (laughs) hi i'm Reem moustakas
0: tell me a little bit more about your story
1: um so i've been in coffee about 15 years mainly as a barista trainer but it was in 2014 i became the australian latte art champion and i represented australia in the world and came fourth that year
0: cool what was the design you made that got you to the finals?
1: So, I poured a quetzal, which is a bird usually found in the rainforest of Guatemala, and it sounds a little bit oh. like this.
0: What did it look like?
1: Uh, so, it was a very pretty bird, very colorful with a long tail. In some parts of Central America, coffee trees are grown in rainforests, so you sometimes see these quetzals flying around the coffee trees and picking at the cherries.
0: Henry, I saw a photo of the quetzal that you poured, and it it looks amazing and really difficult to pour. And I'm kind of curious. Tell me about one of your earlier attempts.
1: All right. So I sent you a photo. Camera phones had only just come out. Uh Uh-huh. But it's a picture of a flower.
0: And how did you make this flower?
1: So I free poured the technical term. It's called a blob. And then I got some chocolate syrup in a bottle with a fine tip. Started in the middle and did a swirl, working my way outside. And then got a toothpick and dragged in from the outside into the middle and mm-hmm. different parts to create the flower. Yeah, I was very proud of it back then.
0: <laughs> so what's super interesting to me is how like Lattega went from this very simple flower pattern with chocolate syrup in the mid 2000s to this extraordinary Quetzal you drew. And all in the space of more or less 10 years. And I really want to know, how did that happen?
1: So James, super interesting question, but before we get into it, let's hear a couple of words from our sponsors.
0: Okay, so the World Coffee Championship podcast series is supported by Victoria Arduino. Victoria Arduino advances coffee knowledge and innovates across design, technology and performance to produce machines that nurture coffee professionals' passion for espresso excellence. Learn more at victoriaarduino.com or give them a follow at victoriaarduino1905. And today's episode of the World Latte Art Championship is supported by Urnex. Learn more about Urnex and its new line of biodegradable cleaners by visiting urnex.com. So Rhee, where should we start this story about the transformation of Latte art over just 10 years?
1: Let's start at the very beginning, when competition started.
0: So Rhee, okay, let's paint the scene. You know, it's the mid-2000s. Like, where would we be?
1: So we're probably at a coffee trade show.
0: And maybe it would sound something like this.
1: There'll be uh, a some have like, equipment that they want to show off. So there'll be a lot of people walking around, drinking coffee, tasting coffee. Now, I imagine there might be a little stage off to the side where there's a few coffee machines set up.
0: And we actually ended up speaking to a competitor in the very early days of Latte art. you know, in the mid 2000s, a man called Carl Sara. Do you know him? The Kiwi. Oh,
1: sorry. We, we That's what us Aussies call people from New Zealand. <laughs> it's because New Zealand is famous for their kiwi bird.
0: Describe a kiwi bird.
1: So think of a, a round bird with a long beak and little legs. I always think it's like round and fat and it can't fly. Pretty lazy, probably sleeps all day in a little burrow.
0: So Rhi, it's interesting you mentioned the kiwi mm-hmm. bird because Kalsara may or may not have used that same design when I mean, he represented New Zealand. At the World Latte Art Championships.
1: Oh, how would you draw a latte art of a kiwi bird in a
0: cup of coffee? Well, Ray, let's find out.
2: <laughs> My name is Carl Sara. I'm a coffee guy from New Zealand. 1999, a friend and I were looking for a business. We were 21 years old. We ended up buying a coffee shop, had a good PL, had a good opportunity. We were interested in the industry. One day a lady came in, she had a barista competition t-shirt on. I said, what's that? And she said, it's a competition for baristas, you should come along. I said, "Okay." I thought, if I go along, uh, i learn more about coffee, we'll see what happens. And I won the New Zealand Barista Championship. So I, I did WBC 2004, 2005, 2007, 2009. In 2006. I was uh, helping Coach, the New Zealand Brewster Champion at the time. New Zealand didn't actually have a you know, qualified entry into the World Latte Art Championships, but also that year the lum- number of competitors was quite low. So I said, oh look, I'll, uh, I'll represent New Zealand at this event and put my hand up to do it. So and there was a, you know, a small stage set up and lights. Let me think about how many people were in the audience. I'd say we'd be sitting in the in the 100, 150 range. When I got up on stage to do my routine that I had never done before, I hadn't practiced, I hadn't even really thought about what I was going to do. My plan was get up and make some coffees. When I hopped up on stage, the machine still wasn't warmed up properly. So it was still, you know, running cold, heat exchanging machine. It's okay, I can handle this. I had a random coffee... I think we had one or two minutes to dial it in. Um I started my routine and then I extracted from one group head and then I went to the other group head and it's completely different extraction. I mean like 10 seconds different. And it turns out that you know one was like a 24 gram basket and then the other one was just you know tiny you know almost like a single basket maybe you know 14 grams. When I start steaming the milk, the heat exchanger hasn't warmed up the boiler, and so I don't have a full head of steam coming out. I've got this random ginormous steam wand that has these, you know, huge holes on the end of it, and <laughs> I just I turn it on. I look at my bubbles and I look at the audience, and I'm just like, this is, this is only going to go one way, and it's you know, not going to be a moment of glory for me. I'm making this milk, it's got huge bubbles in it, and I'm like, right, what am I gonna do? I know, I'll do a kiwi. I've never poured a kiwi before, I don't know how to pour a kiwi. So then I start I start pouring and these sort of chunks of milk are coming out and I'm like this this isn't looking good. So then I, you know, I get my stick in there and I I start to, you know, sort of reshape it into something like a kiwi. It's kind of like a a blob with a little pointy thing and something that represents feet. Yeah, because my pattern was so bad, I had to define it somehow. And so, <laughs> in lieu of skill, I just used some chocolate sauce to try and, you know, help define the pattern. I mean, nothing scores points for definition than a, than a line around the outside of it, right? New Zealanders, we, we have a lot of sheep and we don't have many people. So, I, it was, of course, you know really cheered on by the very supportive Australian crowd making sheep noises towards me is always, you know, something that I, I really appreciated.
0: So Ree, Carl then told me how actually he decided to compete again and he said that he didn't feel he was a very good latte artist but he had found the way to get a lot of points.
1: Oh, how do you do that?
0: In 2008
2: I competed in the Latte Art Championships again As I'd already, you know, so clearly shown the world my dominance in latte art with the Kiwi, I really needed to think of a different approach. And so I decided in lieu of skill, I'd read the rules. And so I I read the rules and and very clearly in the rules, it was that 50% of the score was allocated to taste. And, you know, with very good grounding, they didn't want a latte art competition to be about people just making terrible coffee, but pretty designs. I came onto stage and I'm like, well, if I can't beat them with latte art, I'm just going to make better tasting coffee. And so the scenario of the rules was that you had maybe six minutes to make eight coffees. It was a really tight time frame to get the coffees out. And because baristas wanted to focus on having time to do good pouring, everybody was running single shots. And so I decided that I'd just do double shot extractions into every single one of my coffees. And so everybody made really weak, watery tasting coffees. Uh, I did much better latte art that year, but I also picked up a whole lot of points in the first couple of rounds by having coffee that just tasted like coffee. <laughs> nice and strong in a cup, everybody else had watery coffee, flavour was 50% of the score, mine was the only one you could really taste the coffee and strongly and So I smashed it on the flavour scores. So to me, this was a problem, because latte art should really be about the latte art and about the coffee as well but to be able to manipulate the scores and to be able to manipulate the rules that way it's not really in the spirit of the event and so competing in copenhagen that year really highlighted to me some of the opportunities that exist for us to improve the competition
1: yeah so he he didn't do too bad with his kiwi bird he still came 14th in the world in 2006
0: what so What do you mean? Not too bad. I mean, were the people who performed worse than him?
1: Uh, there were three countries which performed worse than him. Oh my goodness! So, <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, and then in Copenhagen, two thousand and eight, he actually came fourth in the world. But that's what happens when you read the rules and you have a strategy. So he's actually quite smart.
0: Amazing, and not being one of the best latte artists in the world, he, he admitted himself.
1: Yeah, I can totally relate to that.
0: <laughs> How so?
1: Oh, I came fourth in the world, too, just by reading the rules.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What's, what's that story?
1: So, um, look, I don't think I'm the best latte artist, but I read the rules. I studied the score sheets. And a bit like Kalsara, you figure out where you can get the most points.
0: Right. So so when you competed, how d- were the rules different from Kalsara's time?
1: By that time, taste wasn't really a f- factor in your score, unlike Kalsara. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a overtime penalty. So every time you go overtime, you lose points. So that was my first uh, strategy. I thought, I'm not going to go overtime. Uh, my second strategy is to get perfect technical scores because technical is something that you can get perfection in. Mm-hmm. I did sneaky things. Like, I instead of putting a double shot into that big cup, I did single shots. So that saved me a lot of time because everyone else was were doing oh. double straddles or double shots in these big cups. And then when I steamed my big jug of milk, I won't steam it too hot because no one's tasting it, no one's drinking it. So the temperature, you don't need it that hot. <laughs> so I was figuring out where I could shave off like five seconds here and there. And the more seconds you shave off, it really gives you more time to pour your latte out. What did it taste like? Oh, uh, Probably very milky. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like Carl said, very watery, very milky and not very hot.
0: <laughs> wow. So it's so funny, it's like, you know, Carl won by just making great coffees, yep, tasty. which the rules incentivized. Then the rules yep. changed and you, and you made terrible <laughs> coffees, but great latte art with the time you saved. Yes. And so what, what does that tell us about the competition?
1: Well, obviously you've come a long way since then. Now it's <laughs> more, more realistic, more relatable to a specialty coffee shop.
0: So the competition's evolving. You know, the pendulum is swinging back and forth between you, Carl and you and, you know, what it looks like today. Yeah. But paint the picture for me. Like back in 2010, you were making coffees. Yep. And if a cafe was able to make high quality latte art, like what did that say about the cafe?
1: So a lot of people or a lot of customers have the perception that these guys know what they're doing. These guys are very skilled and they make good tasting coffee.
0: Yeah. So I spoke with a barista from Brazil. My name is Daniel Acosta Bush who got in the coffee, you know, around 2009. I start in
3: a little coffee shop here in Curitiba. It's a main city in the south of Brazil. And in the starts of the year 2000, we
0: have one of the first specialty coffee shops here in Brazil. And what's interesting to me is how the specialty coffee cafe movement was taking place in so many corners of the world.
1: Oh, I would like to know more about what was happening in Brazil at that time.
0: All
3: right. In the beginning, we just see a heart, rosettas, and tulips, and that simple bear with uh, like a tulip and the sketch. The customers in front of the counter asked me, Oh, can you write my name? Can you make a heart? Can you? Because of this, stimulate me to practice more. And I told my manager, I I, I need more money. (laughs) So they told me, but if you sell more coffee, of course, I pay you more. So I challenged the customers, come back tomorrow and I do for you. Come back tomorrow and I do for you. And because of this, this stimulated me to create more designs. As my designs go better, the customers said, wow, it's amazing, it's better than yesterday. And this is stimulated more. I started to create the swamps with double wings, with a uh, lake, double heads. When the customers came up to pay, they said, oh, Daniel make a better coffee than yesterday. So they make a tip. So I received more tips, but not more salary. <laughs> Just the tips. And in 2015, I have a pleasure to be a champion here in Brazil. And in the same year, 2015, I was to Gothenburg in Sweden for the world stage. And I was in 11th place. When I saw Caleb Cha- I remember he made a zebra drinking a cup of coffee. It's a very famous pattern. When I saw his presentation, I just I, I just clapped. And wow, this is amazing. He's better than me and he deserves to win. I think that year, the Latiard changed because all the people stopped to make Just uh, rosetta, tulips and hearts and swams and start to make, create new designs with these patterns.
0: Henry, would you believe me that Daniel found a way to use latte art to encourage coffee drinkers to cut back on adding sugar?
1: Interesting. How did that go down?
3: (laughs) Here in Curitiba, I have a coffee shop called Luca. In 2016, or 17, I can't remember, the Luca and a private health insurance company make an advertisement. The people stopped to put sugar in a coffee. We make a short video. I made Latte art hearts and wrote inside the heart, better without sugar, and put in the table of the customers. And it's very funny because all the customers put sugar just for a habit. The campaign works because now I think that customers never drink coffee with sugar anymore. This is the, the way the Latte art can change the life of the coffee
0: people. Oh,
1: Better without sugar campaign. Isn't that amazing? Like saving lives,
0: one cup of coffee at a time, (laughs) just don't put sugar. Yeah. And what's really interesting to me about his story was how, you know, he's making swans, and he, you know, he's really Mm -hmm. good by you know the standards of Brazil at the time. But then he admits that when he saw Caleb Char and that zebra, I got the impression he felt like he was just falling behind the development of the latte art world.
1: Yeah, I think by the time it came to Caleb Char doing. It was a zebra drinking coffee. Creativity was a big part of the competition. So back in the mid two thousands, we talked about hearts and rosettas, and if you're really pushing it, tulips and swans. Now the heart, rosettas, and tulips they're the building blocks for the more complex patterns. So now all the complex patterns are a combination of those pouring techniques.
0: So, so re- there was a period of evolution, you know, starting around you know two thousand and twelve onwards, where every year. It kind of felt like the iPhone back in the day, where every year you had these amazing upgrades you just had to have. Like, what happened year on year?
1: So thinking back, it was in 2012, the world champion from Russia, Victoria Katshitsva, she did an inverted tulip. So she did a tulip and turned the cup around mid-pour and did another tulip into that. And back then, that was like, wow, that's amazing. She turned the cup around while she was pouring. And then in 2013, there was a big upgrade i guess you can say <laughs> if you're talking about an iphone the japanese competitor who won hisako yoshikawa she free poured a rose and that was yeah mind-blowing
0: i heard that she invented a new way of holding the milk pitcher yeah to make that rose
1: yeah and the way she poured as well so still on the building blocks of say a hard rosetta tulip but a more advanced uh intricate technically difficult way of pouring
0: yeah and, and re in your opinion What's driving this just burst of creativity?
1: I guess, yeah, in 2010, we see you know, Instagram, we see smartphones, everyone has a smartphone. YouTube as well, you see a lot of Latte Art tutorials on YouTube and I think that's how I learned as well. I went on to YouTube, watched a few videos and then tried it myself.
0: Right, and what happened after that?
1: And after that was creativity became a big component in Latte Art competitions. So now people wanted to see patterns that they've never seen before. I think the year after we saw a turtle or a pirate ship or a hummingbird. Yeah, in 2016, a South Korean competitor poured the character of Tinkerbell in a cup.
0: Ah, yes. His name is Umpol.
1: So one of the judges I spoke to who judged Umpol in the World Latte Art Championship said when he saw the Tinkerbell, he was blown away because he's never seen it before. And he had a huge emotional connection towards it because it reminded him of his daughter. Oh, wow.
0: Well, it's interesting you mention, you know, parent-child relationships, because that's also a part of Um Paul's story when I spoke with him the other day.
1: Oh, I would love to know more about Um Paul's personal journey.
0: All right. Oh, and Reed, by the way, this guitar music you're hearing, Um Paul made this music.
1: Oh, okay. He's a musician.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Oh, my name is Un um I'm from South Korea. I'm a world fighter champion. I'm also a trainer, and a musician, and dancer, and a comedian is right. <laughs> what did I do before getting to Coffee Industry, you know? I was a student of a college, you know? Just I studied, and study studied, and study. studied. And after I was a Navy, I had to go to school again, but I'm concerned about my major. I wasn't majoring in automatic engineering, but I really hated mathematics. I didn't go to school again, so I I wasn't looking for a job or something. So one day I dropped by a small coffee shop and I made a lot of art on the cappuccino. One of my dreams was to be a chef, you know, chef. I love cooking and also I love drawing. As I sit a cappuccino, I realized this one. Huh, oh, I can cook and I can draw at the same time? Huh, oh, what is that? Yeah, that's why I asked Barista, huh, oh, an owner of the Barista, what is this? Oh this is a lot of art. Blah 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 blah. Do you wanna work with me? Yes. <laughs> After that, I work as a barista. In 2006, I opened my own shop, Roaster Shop. So I didn't say anything to my mom. <laughs> because my mom really, 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 really want me to be a, you know, car center owner or <laughs> she wanted me to work at a big company. My mom always, always upset. So one day there was a paper in my mom's hand. What is this? It is about the money, you know. <laughs> to study college and I have to pay him the money. Why this is a cheaper than before? Mom, now I'm working as a barista. Barista? What is that? Making coffee. Making coffee? Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Why you change the why you changed and the way you didn't say anything to me? Oh, because you always hate me. You always hate doing something. My mom generation, they thought making coffee is a very bad work. While I open and run my coffee shop, my mom she never can buy my coffee shop. Hmm. After opening my shop. Many people is, a, is can buy my shops to see and drink my of art. I was not a free for latte artist because I really love etching skill, you know. So every day I made many doggy and the bear, and <laughs> you know, because I, I really love this cute cute yeah, designs. So yes, that's why I always, I always try to make people happy. One day, I had to get out from my, my house because my mom is that really hates roasting coffee at home. Get out of here! Because of many smoke, you know. One, two, three, four. I had to quit my second coffee shop. And fortunately, first Korean national championship was open, so- 2010. maybe 10. It was my first competition. I didn't know the competition was a national championship. I, I thought it was just a small one. Oh, it's okay, okay, I want to compete. And uh, I got third place. And uh, many people who told me, oh, this is national championship. <laughs> Obviously oh, <really>? Okay. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know, really. 2010, I, I closed my shop. I had to work. And so I I work as a barista, sometimes a manager. Whenever I worked, always three or four months, the owners, hey, you're fire. (laughs) You're fire, always. My character is very unique in Korea. So many people told me, you are not Korean style. You're American style, always they say. So because uh, I think differently. So that's why I couldn't work for a very long time in the same company. 2016, I won Korean national championship. I tried six times to be national champion. Third place, second place, second place, third place, second place, and first place. It, it means I, <laughs> I have been practicing for six years already. <laughs> Whenever my friend ask, um, Paul, why you don't practice? Because it's a World Latte Championship is coming. Coming very soon. Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, push the button. Where is your button? Here. Yeah. Hello, my name is Paul. I'm really happy to be here. Blah, 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 blah. Automatic machine, you know? <laughs> Hello, I'm Paul. I'm really happy to be here to make my latte art for your judges. Yeah, first of all, I'm gonna make angel. Next one is Tinkerbell. Last one is a baby's one. The title of my latte art is "I Believe I Can Fly." Okay, we can look for it. Today. Thank you. Uh, 2016, when I won World Latte Art Championships, I created and made the Tinkerbell design. Until 2015, there was no design like Tinkerbell. You know, so Tinkerbell was the very first reality design. Tinkerbell is Tinkerbell. Angel is Angel. Minipurts, that's what made Swan-like or Angel-like But um, I made Tinkerbell Everyone, oh, wow! Oh, this okay. is Tinkerbell okay. Thank you Beautiful So much Time There's the time! One, two, one, two. I you? After 10 years my mom came my seminar coffee seminar with my sister ha <sighs> and uh, when I came back to home and I'm, I asked mom oh, mom how was the seminar <clears throat> mm, it was good I don't still understand why you are happy with the coffee I'm still one you to be an engineer. But if you like, if you love, do you love? Yeah, I love coffee. If you love, do it. I don't know. What is your dream? But now you are in a trouble. You don't have money. You don't have anything. But you always smile. If you love coffee like that, try that. Try it, do it. I don't understand. I don't know. I love to drink. Coffee with cream and, sugar. and two and the three years later, I became a world champion. So whenever my mom is at a drop-by coffee shop and after ordering, okay, can I get a latte? Can I get an Americano? She, she didn't come back because she always asked barista, oh, hello, maybe do you know Aunt Paul? <laughs> do you know Aunt Paul? I don't know, oh you are a you have to know I'm Paul, she, he is my son, he is a world champion you know, <laughs> she changed a lot, she, now she is my big fan, <laughs> big fan of me, you know, she is a big fan.
1: Nice. So it's quite interesting because I guess like his mom didn't understand how can you be set up for life making coffee. Then after you know she saw that oh actually this is a great career for you then she was like the proud Asian mum like do you know my son <laughs> Paul?
0: It only took ten um, years, ten years to prove.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then he sings his introduction. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> Are you saying you didn't sing your introduction?
1: Oh, I'm tone deaf.
0: <laughs> oh really?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised he even got me to talk.
0: Can you sing? Um, I believe I can fly.
1: I believe I can't. No. <laughs> um, All right. Anyway.
0: And Rhi, I know that after Paul, there were some even more extraordinary like technical accomplishments when it came to latte art. Like the 2017 winner from Thailand, Adnan Titi Praset, what did he do?
1: So that one was a real game changer. He poured animals, including the eyes, without etching. So in the past, to make create eyes like that, you usually have to use an etching tool, but he free poured everything, a rabbit running through the woods, you know, a fox in the woods a deer looking backwards in the forest, all free poured, including the ears, the antlers, and the eyes.
0: Wow, but how small was it? Are we talking like an eye as big as a thumb? Yeah, as small as a freckle. What point in the pouring process would you have to do that kind of micro eye at the very beginning and then you build around it or towards the end?
1: It's definitely towards the end when you're getting to the end of your foam, and you're using like the thicker part of the foam to draw really clean lines. And slowing down your pore, having good control.
0: Wow. And then what happened afterwards, like 2018, 2019? What sort of innovations did we see?
1: Oh, I think 2019 was when anything was possible. So anything you could draw on paper, you could draw in coffee. But we saw the Parthenon, you know, drawn and. Back in my day, people said, you can't draw straight lines and corners in latte art. It all has to be curves. Wow. And we saw a lot more animals, but a lot more complex Mm -hmm. uh, with real clarity and lots of expressions.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, it really opened a lot of doors when people realized they could master this free pour technique. They could pour almost anything.
0: And that kind of gets me wondering if everything can be replicated on paper onto, you know, some coffee foam. Like, what's next?
1: (laughs) the thing I get asked a lot by a lot of people, is can you do my face?
0: <laughs> mm. So, how amazing would that be? Imagine, you know, it's seven o'clock in the morning, you rock up to your local cafe, and your barista hands you a cup of coffee with your face made using latte art.
1: Yeah, would that be freaky though? Because you have to drink that. <laughs> <Drink your pace. laughs> right. Now, hang on. So, let's go back to what is the future of latte art? So, for example, in my cafe, we are using the Uber milk, which dispenses mm. perfectly textured hot milk, ready to pour, perfect latte art. So that makes it very easy for me to train someone to pour latte art because they skip the step of steaming the perfect milk.
0: Mm-hmm. So, do you have any like philosophical reflections on latte art?
1: Yeah, I guess it might sound a bit cliche, but every time you pour a bit of latte art, it's like you're putting a bit of your personal self in that cup of coffee for that customer. So you kind of look at if you want to talk about anthropology and like, you know, back in the day, caveman days, where we felt compelled to to draw something on the wall of a cave. And <laughs> now like we have a tiny canvas and a little coffee cup and we have two ingredients to work with. That's coffee and milk. And yet we have this desire to want to be creative and create beautiful things and you know beautiful patterns and express our creativity in this way. Oh, that sounds like the credits. Shall we roll the credits?
0: Let's do them. So for this episode, we'd like to thank Khao Sara, Daniel acosta Bush, and Umpol. And there were many more people who we'd like to thank. And we've listed all their names on the SCA website.
1: Should we hear a few words from our sponsors?
0: Yeah. So the World Coffee Championship podcast series is supported by Victoria Arduino. Victoria Arduino advances coffee knowledge and innovates across design, technology, and performance to produce machines that nurture coffee professionals' passion for espresso excellence. You can learn more at victoriaarduino.com, and you can also get them a follow at Victoria Arduino 1905 And today's specific episode on the World Latte Art Championship is supported by Urnex. You can learn more about Urnex's new line of biodegradable cleaners by visiting urnex.com.
1: Hey James, I think it's your turn.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, so this series was produced by me, James Harper, of Filter Productions for the Specialty Coffee Association. And Re, thank you so much for coming on board and helping tell this story about latte art.
1: Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. But before I go, I would like to know what's the next episode about.
0: Ah Ree, so in the next episode, we are diving into the biggest competition of them all, the World Barista Championships. We are going to see the early days of competitions. Imagine buckets full of Robusta and spit. Picture a world barista champion having their name on over 100 cafes. And we're going to hear stories of competitors trying for year after year after year to win and to get so close but to be told their espresso was too good.
1: That sounds awesome. I can't wait to hear about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, not exactly that, but you'll hear that in the next episode. Well, Reid, thanks again and stay safe and well over there in Perth, Australia. And I'll see you next year at the competitions.
1: Thank you, James. We'll see ya. See you later. Bye. Bye.